I'm not prefacing this with a lot of scripture, but I sure could. Your flesh is not your friend. Is that yours? You need a new screen. Looks like you dropped that out on the interstate somewhere. If you wait to feel like, how many of you went to work today? Did you feel like it? I rest my case. Let's give God all the praise, all the glory. He's worthy. He's good. He's great. He's love. Woo! My. Praise God. I've been waiting for us to get a whistler. It's awesome. You're right up front, too. When I see a man in a wheelchair taking a lap, in a wheelchair taking a lap throws the devil into total confusion. Some of you would throw the devil in confusion if you just said, I don't care what it feels like. I'm going to go ahead and give God the glory. I ain't going to let the devil figure me out. It's Tuesday night. Tired traveling or I've been working. I got all my pocket full of excuses. I'm, I'm going to let, I'm going to keep my flesh on the edge of its seat. I may just go ahead and fast. I may just show up at early morning prayer. I might just take a couple laps. Not for public display, but just let, just to let the devil know. You ain't got no ties on this boy right here. No, 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 no. You're the one that put me in the gutter. You're the one that almost took me out. I'm here to do some damage on the spirits of darkness. Somebody clap your hands right now. Lift your voice. Everybody. This ought to be louder than a ball game. Come on, you're looking at the 12th man tonight. Woo! I don't need no Seahawks to lift my voice. I've got a God in Yalabahatai. It's just, listen, this is, this is really healthy for a church to be able to do this. Praise God. We have a couple prayer requests. Just remain standing if you would. Our dear brother, Robert Schumann, needs prayer. He's going in for surgery at 2.30 in the morning. Hallelujah. Somebody on the night crew is going to be doing some cutting. But we're going to pray that God's going to guide their hands. God's going to bring him out. Let's lift our hands and pray. By the authority of the name of Jesus, we pray for our brother Robert tonight.
Keep your hands on him. Let him fear nothing. But let him feel secure in the power of the name of Jesus and the Spirit of God. We also need to pray for Sister Deborah Peltier. Uh, at the time the service began, she was in the Valley Hospital um, complaining of pain. Let's lift our hands one more time and pray for our dear sister tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, pray for Sister Deborah. Keep your hand upon her. Touch her, God, with your virtue and your power. Let her fear nothing but being confident of this one thing that he that has begun a good work in her. Hallelujah. Amen. Great to see everybody tonight. We have several visitors. Um, Sister Newby's father is here, all the way from Indiana, part of Chicago. It's great to have him here tonight. And whoever you are, wherever you are, welcome. Welcome. We're glad you're here in Jesus' name. Uh, Brother Clark, I did not give you a title. I did not give you a scripture. But uh, here we go. Acts chapter number 1. Talk about a few things here tonight. They're going to be good. Hallelujah. Acts chapter number 1. To the denominational world, the book of Acts is a history book. To us, it's our family tree. It is an ongoing record of the exploits of apostolic people of which we are connected. The book of Acts is the only book in the New Testament that does not have an ending, doesn't have a benediction. And so we are still recording the book of Acts. Amen. Acts chapter number one, familiar passage of Scripture. We're going to start in Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 4. If you got your Bible, say amen. If you don't have your Bible but you're feeling guilty that you don't have it, say amen. All right, verse number 4. This is talking about the Lord. This overlaps with the Great Commission that is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And, of course, the book of Acts was written by Luke the physician. Verse number four, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. Amen. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Now, you have to know a little bit about Old Testament history to understand what that scripture is really asking. If you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that the nation of Israel went into bondage. They went into captivity. It was never the will of God for them to go into Babylonian captivity. When God brought them out of Egypt, that was the will of God. It was first spoken in Genesis chapter number 15 to Abraham, that they would come out in the fourth generation. And after 430 years, God brought them out with great substance. They spoiled the Egyptians. But from that time on, God never anticipated that his people would ever go into bondage again. They couldn't handle liberty. 
And so it enacted a theological term that's actually recorded in the book of Luke. It's called the times of the Gentiles in which the nation of Israel was under Gentile rule. That's what they're asking here. They're essentially asking, are you going to bring us out from underneath Gentile rule, which the Romans, you know, it was the Romans that collaborated with the high priest to actually put Jesus to death. So the Romans were already in rule in this place. And they thought that Jesus was there to liberate them from Gentile rule. Okay? So Jesus responds to this. In verse number seven, he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. Now, there's a lot of people that are really hung up on when Jesus is coming back. All I can tell you is he is coming back and be ready. But this is a warning that there is a priority over his second coming something more important than that. We're about to find out what that is. Jesus said, it is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. That is the most important thing that the church is doing in the 21st century. Witnesses unto him. And I want to talk to us for a few moments about God is in the people business. God is in the people business. Praise God. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's pray together in the name of Jesus. God, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. Thank you for your word, your spirit, your people. We pray that you will bring every element of this together with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You know, um, it is so easily, it is so easy to... And I don't, when I, what I'm about to say, I'm not saying negatively. I'm just saying that it is a reality. It is so easy to become familiar with scriptures that we know and love that we think that we have heard everything we need to hear. And if we do hear what we've already known or what we've already heard before, we have a tendency to brush over that or to maybe tune that out. I promise you that if you will pay attention tonight, you will hear some things, I believe, uh, that you will ne you've never heard before. Maybe you have, but anyway, hallelujah. I believe that we should go into every church service prefaced with prayer with an anticipation to receive something that is going to be cutting edge or strengthening. Come on, somebody. From the Word of God. Hallelujah. This is going against the grain of the religious Jewish mindset. And you have to understand that nobody in the history of the world 
is more religious than the Jew. Probably contributes to one of the reasons why they are um, hated so much around the world because they are so exclusive that people have uh, interpreted that that they think they're better than other people. Which, I'm not here to argue that point. I'm just saying that when you have divine favor, I'll let you classify and define that, what that is. But I'm going to tell you, when you have divine favor, that is beyond other people. I didn't say that you are better than them. I didn't say, you know how, you know how our world is. Our world is in, our world is, is, is almost anticipating being offended. And it, it's a cultural thing. Instead of, instead of the church changing culture, which that is what's going on in the world today, it's not, it's not these forces in Congress and all this. It's, it's, it's the forces of good against the forces of evil. It's the church still trying to establish truth in the midst of lies. Amen. And all of us are caught in this conundrum Every single day when you get up and you go to work, you are a representation. If you've been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you are a representation of everything that the kingdom wants to represent to this world. It does not matter how bad you feel. It doesn't matter if you have a toe ache, a back ache, any kind of ache. You are a child of God. And a child of God at his worst is better than a multi-billionaire at his best. Hallelujah. This particular scripture is so over the head of the disciples. And that really is, it's kind of a casual way to say it, but it kind of typifies the entire ministry of the Lord Jesus. The ministry of the Lord Jesus was not for then at that time. It was all future tense. Because without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they were not in the kingdom yet and therefore could not interpret what Jesus was saying in the proper context. Jesus knew this, but his form of pedagogy was second to none. He was the he was a master teacher, the greatest teacher of all time, because he, he was able to use parabolic teaching, which is a long theological uh, word that simply means he was able to take things that were familiar and start in the familiar and lead people into supernatural principles and applications. You, you see this even, even with the questions that they're asking here in chapter number one. Will thou at this time, now that you're resurrected and now that you're here and now that you're obviously, because you've resurrected from the dead, you've got all power, you've got all authority, are you at this time going to restore the nation of Israel? He said, no. That's not what I came to do. You see, the Jews never got the identity thing right. You see, Jesus knew who he was when he was 12, and that's where people start preaching. Jesus didn't preach till he was 30. Because after you understand who you are, you now have to be processed. 
And that's the number one factor in the church today. There, there's immaturity, spiritual adolescence, malformed development or underdeveloped people because they have not allowed themselves to be developed by godly process. You cannot be developed by godly process by being fleshly. You have to, you have to when they sang that song, Sold Out, and I, uh, I don't know if anybody heard it. I don't know if you guys hear this stuff, but when they're singing, I'm talking to them. Sing. Give it everything. Sing it like you mean it. Sold out. Ladies and gentlemen, when I got in this thing, it wasn't. Just stick my toe in the water. I'm going to see how it feels. What? You think I want to go back to being miserable? I want to go back to depression. I want to go back to being demon-possessed. I want to, honey, I'm sold out. That's why I'm doing this. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. There's a, when you're sold out, you ain't going to believe a lie. When you're sold out, the devil can tell you anything. But ultimately, you're going to shake it off and say, you don't own me anymore. Get behind me. Get beneath me. Jesus was 12 years old when he understood, understood who his father was. But he didn't enter ministry. In our day and age, as soon as people find out who they are, they want to enter ministry. And that's why we're not having the degree of impacting totally impregnated with power, apostolic authority, and ministry. Because you don't get that from an organization. You've got to get that from God. And ladies and gentlemen, when you get it from God, you are unstoppable. You are indestructible. You are indestructible until God is done with you. And I just... I'm just thinking that that's becoming more and more rare all the time. But here at Cornerstone, we're, we're here to see people get developed. You are not going to get developed with a golf swing. You are not going to get developed by living a secret life. You are not going to get developed by playing patty cake with Jesus and patty cake with the church. You are going to get developed by digging in and saying, this is from another world. This is a dimension. My Lord, I can't get started on this stuff. I feel it all over me, though. Come on, let's clap our hands and give him praise. I don't want to just be denominational. I don't want to just be religious. I want to walk in the power of this book. I want to see this God. I want to be motivated by his spirit and not the prerogatives of how I feel. Jews are like, okay. You know, Jesus said something that's like, okay. They didn't have a clue what he was talking about. But they respected him because they knew who he was. They had a revelation of identity. And that is the very first revelation that every person must have in coming to truth. You have to understand, Jesus is not part of a fictitious trinity. The Trinity was a metaphysical interpretation 
of the identity and expression of the living God. They saw Father, Son, we were talking about it here earlier tonight. They saw Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and they said that must be three persons. How do you get three in one? There's not three people in one. In me, there's only one God in me, and his name is Jesus. Come on, Philip came to him and said, show us the Father. He said, have I been with you this long and you don't even have a clue when you've seen me? You've seen the Father. Clap your hands and give him praise. And so they knew who he was. They just didn't understand what he was saying. But they were fixing it. The Jews are the most prejudiced people in history. That is absolutely correct. But God, on the other hand, has no prejudice. See, God had to start with one group of people to get it here. This, this needs to be a revelation to us. God could God called out the nation of Israel. It was not the will of God that God destroy all these other neighboring nations. I mean, it was to drive out the land because it was given by prophecy, and God was just establishing them a fulfillment of his prophecy. It was God's will that God used the nation of Israel when they got in the promised land that as they stayed in alignment with God, that a people that were ghetto folks from Goshen would be exalted by the power and the favor of an almighty God. And God would, would, would mediate his identity, his glory, and his blessing through his earthly people, the Jews. But they could not handle an exalted identity. you give them a little bit of power and you find out how not ready for leadership they really are. This is how you find out who a leader is. Give them a little bit of power. It's quiet right now. It's quiet right now because you are listening to truth. Do not change your dial. The nation of Israel could not live. They were fine when they were slaves. I've seen it quite a bit over the last 25 years. Somebody come in and the first time in their life, they have never felt so alive. When you are born again, John chapter 3, of the water and the spirit. Jesus said, except a man is born of the water, of course we know that's baptism, and the Spirit, that's the infilling of the Holy Ghost, you become alive. You're half dead when you're not born again. You are dead in trespasses and sins. That's how God views you. That doesn't mean that God doesn't love you, but God's not going to lie about your condition. The way that you change your condition is not belly aching about it and whining about it. It's obey the word of God. 
Because to obey is better than sacrifice. I'm just going to get myself by the nap of the neck, and I'm going to do it because it says it right there. I don't got to understand beans. I'm going to obey, and understanding will come with a breath of revelation and a breath of understanding. See, there's a bunch of people in the 21st century say, I ain't doing nothing until I understand it. I understand, you know, string theory. String theory. I understand the fourth dimension of quantum physics. Oh, man, that's great. How come you just can't obey John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5? Well, because I don't understand that. That's why he talked to Nicodemus. He talked to Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews. And verse 9, Nicodemus says, how can these things be? He said, yeah, that's what I thought. You're a religious leader, and you ain't got a clue, just the basic elements, the DNA of eternity. The DNA of eternity is when you're born again of water and spirit, and the, and the dynamic genetics of the everlasting Father is blasted into your system. Clap your hands and give God the praise. <laughs> to live less than that means that you've not been processed. You have to, you have to, you have to get into that groove with God and say, he that has begun a good work in me, and I'm going to let you do whatever you want to do with me, because this is from another world. I don't want to try to fit into this world. I don't just want a good job. Some people, they get on board with God until they get that nice car, and then they sit back, and they go into spiritual retirement. They get that nice house. They get that good paying job. God gave you that so that he could prove to you that I'm answering your prayers. But see, God is smart enough to know that if I give you what you're asking for, you're going to forget about it. So I'm going to wait till you and I get to know each other. Then I'll do whatever you want because then you trust me and I trust you. Clap your hands and give him praise. God loves you too much to bless you. He doesn't want to lose you. Hallelujah. The nation of Israel could not handle liberty and identity and exaltation. Which is why they're under the heel of Roman rule now at the time of Jesus' birth, death, and Resurrection. And so in their minds, they're thinking, dude, we're, we're, we're getting ready to be free people. Jesus said, you're going to be free, but you're going to be supernaturally free. We got a job to do. We got some people to reach. This ain't about you anymore. Let's lift our hands and ask God to help us here tonight. We need an impartation tonight. We've had a manifestation and... We're having a visitation, but right now we need an impartation so that you can have a habitation. We want it to stick. Cornerstone is at a crossroads. Services have been wonderful, glorious. 
that happened up at the camp out was I'd shake my head in not disbelief, but just awe of what God did at the camp out through Brother Cody Martin. Coming in with interest, hunger, desire. That's not where the crossroad is. The crossroad is, is it's time for us. Listen to me carefully. It's time for us to incrementally become more apostolic. Now, as as a community, as a city set on a hill. This entire city knows who Cornerstone is. Oh, yeah, I've heard about you guys. Run around in circles and cross their eyes. Yeah, why don't you come out and try it? I mean, not the crossing your eyes part, but why don't you come out and let God do something? Well, I just don't believe like that. Well, what do you believe? Oh, I don't even know, really. That's what I thought. But you're going to criticize everything that you don't understand. Because you don't know what you don't know. And that's the definition of ignorance, is you don't know what you don't know. You think you know, but you don't know. And you don't even know what you don't know. And I'm not trying to be Dr. Phil. If you knew what I knew, you'd know what I know, and I'd know what you know. Someone said, praise the Lord. Where can we possibly improve? And this is not a negative tonight. Um, We've had evangelists come through here. Some of the greatest evangelists in the apostolic world have graced this pulpit, and they are just like intoxicated with Cornerstone because I hear it. But as the messenger to this church, as the pastor to this congregation, I'm seeing that God has an adjustment for us. And that is, is to get in alignment with God to realize that God is in the people business. He has no prejudice, he has no partiality. He's no respecter of persons. Now, if you look at your Bible real quick, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to weigh into this a little bit now. Look at verse number 8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. We are not witnesses to the world. We are witnesses to God. say that again because some of us were still trying to kickstart our our faith to get to get into this tonight and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Meaning that this was intended to go global, international, 
universal, if you please, worldwide. How's that going to happen? You see, Jesus starts out like he did. He's a master, master teacher. He starts out with the familiar. He can talk about seeds and birth and end up talking about the degrees of the condition of your heart. He's a master teacher. He started out with Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Jerusalem was a city, Judea was a region, Samaria was a region. And then after Samaria, he jumps. He jumps. Why is that? Acts chapter 2, you understand well that the bomb exploded in the upper room. The Holy Ghost was poured out on all flesh. That means that the Holy Ghost was not only poured out in the upper room, the Holy Ghost was poured out in Judea. That means that the Holy Ghost was poured out in Samaria. That means that the Holy Ghost was poured out in Africa. The Holy Ghost, the Bible said, because the Apostle Peter quotes it, quoting directly from Joel chapter 2, that the Spirit is poured out on all flesh, which the, this upper room is the beginning, it's the epicenter, it's the nucleus, it's the starting point, it's the alpha, it's the genesis. And so in Acts chapter 2, this spiritual bomb blows up, the Holy Ghost is poured out, and by the way, you cannot outdo God's template of revival. The template of revival is given to us in a, in a few verses. There's a lot of people that want to improve upon this because they want to make it socially more palatable and, and more acceptable in a fickle, confused culture. We are not going to do that. This is how it started. They're in a prayer meeting. It starts with prayer. The Holy Ghost moves. They come out of the upper room speaking in tongues, glorifying God. A man gets up and preaches. Are you getting this tonight? You cannot improve upon perfection. It's apostolic. When Jesus Christ comes back, he is looking for a church that is praying, praising, and preaching. Then they have an altar call. 3,000 people are baptized. And then they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, breaking the bread, fellowship, and prayer. That's it. special Saturday show for the kids. You don't need to bring in big inflatable toys and have Ronald McDonald show up so he can sign your kids' happy meal. You don't need any of that stuff. You need to start with the prayer meeting. You need, Ladies and gentlemen, either we're apostolic or we're not. 
You're looking at one man that came here saying, I ain't changing for nobody. I'm not changing for an organization. I'm not changing for the World Council of Churches. I'm not changing for the Reformation. I'm not. I want to be apostolic through and through. I want to be a witness unto him. Clap your hands and give him praise. Revival begins to move out. The stone was cast into the pond, and the ripples begin. And it moves to the gate beautiful. And then it moves to persecution. And then it moves throughout Judea. And then it moves a little further. And now they're being, they're being persecuted. They're struggling with people that are lying about the community. Ananias and Sapphira was the first lie given to the man of God and given to the church. They broke the spirit of unity. And the Holy Ghost keeps moving out like a tidal wave. It moves out of Jerusalem. It moves through Judea. And it moves in Acts chapter number 8. It moves with an evangelist by the name of Philip. Do you know? I've got a book in my library called Whatever Happened to the Twelve Apostles. And I read this book. And they have a couple guys getting boiled in oil. They have a couple guys hanging upside down tortured, all kinds of stuff. The problem is the Bible doesn't line up with that. Only two or three apostles ever left Judea. And they only went to Samaria because the Samaritans were hated of the Jews. They held to the first five books of the Bible. They had part of the Mosaic, the Pentateuch, but... They added their own writings. That's why they thought worship is here in Mount Gerizim. Jesus said, you guys don't know what to worship. Man, there's a lot of activity out there. Everything okay? Hallelujah. No, the action's up here. Man, I'm try- i got to get this through this church. Acts chapter number 8. The only guy that would go there is an evangelist. The apostles wouldn't go. Why was it so hard for the apostles to get out of Jerusalem? Couldn't overcome the prejudice. I told you, you're going to hear stuff you never heard before. Problem is, I got the Bible to back me up. Well, Peter went to England. Really? Where's that in the Bible? Went to Europe. I'll make some concessions for some of this. But I've only got a record, my dear brother, of two or three guys. Brother Henderson, two or three guys that ever left Jerusalem. Couldn't overcome their prejudice. Do you know we have 10 different cultures in Cornerstone? You know, for the first three or four years, it stops, starts, stops, starts. This is where a lot of guys throw in the towel and they give up. That's why the attrition rate among apostolics in the Northwest is six to six, six to seven churches out of 10 throw in the towel and give up. It ain't happening fast enough. That's because they're all waiting for guys to pull up with the Mercedes Benz that are doctors. 
You can get quiet all you want to. Pastor, I'm waiting for all these people. We're putting door hangers out there. Just keep praying. Just keep praying. Which you're, which you're, you're a witness something to God, so you're proving something to God that you're going to give up when he says don't quit. And if you do that, you cease process, which means you might as well just go sell shoes or something. The thing that broke Spokane, Washington open is Brother Tom Sackpoper here. Is Brother Tom here? Brother Tom, we, there's Brother Tom Sackpoper. I want everybody to look at that man right there. That man right there is one of the most important people in the history of this church. Now, now he is so humble and so self-effacing that he was probably uncomfortable with that. This is his son, Nathaniel, over here, one of the smartest guys I've ever met. Would you stand, Nathaniel? Listen to that. Cornerstone's got talent. Okay, you can be seated. The judges love you. Brother Tom was God's answer to my wife and I after three to four years of praying for revival. And today, on any given Sunday, we have about 10 different cultures that are worshiping here at Cornerstone. I think we should praise God for that. Because God's, that, God's into that stuff. God's into that. God don't care if you're a lawyer or you're, you're living over at Union Gospel Mission. God doesn't care if you're driving a Mercedes or you took the bus. God doesn't care if you're walking or in a wheelchair. God's for everybody. All right. But now we got to be willing to work with people. I th everything's cool. The, 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 the perimeter of revival is moving out of Jerusalem. It moves through Judea. It moves into Samaria with an evangelist by the name of Philip. And they don't get the Holy Ghost. And they did that because God was trying to get the apostles out. So Peter and John have to go down and check out what's going on. And they finally get the Holy Ghost. God has got an evangelist that's one step ahead of the leadership. And we're going to see that that was kind of normal. You're about to see something that blew my mind when God showed me this. I've never gotten this from a book or a tape or Pentecostal plagiarism. God gave me a revelation of this. You get a revelation when you need it. You get a revelation when God wants you to have it. But when you get a revelation, you better base your life on it. You better extend the cords of your tent. You better say, I am tired of being small. I want to be big. I want to be what God wants me to be in Jesus' name. Bibles to Acts chapter 8. Brother Clark is going to help me out. I've only got a few minutes, so I need to go. Okay. Look at verse 26. Acts 8, 26. Now you're about to see something, ladies and gentlemen. Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. 
Brother Clark, I need you to go to Mark chapter number 16, verses 19 and 20. Just recorded differently by three different people. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. That is recorded by Luke in Acts chapter 1, verse 20. Look at this. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Somebody said amen. amen. That only lasted until they got to Samaria. casting out devils, people are healed, people are delivered, there's great joy, they're baptized in Jesus' name, there's great joy in that city. Signs are following. But look, now that they're done in Samaria, God is now saying, it's time to point your boat to the uttermost parts of the world. I did all this so that you could get an understanding. And Brother Sergio, now God is no longer following. God is proceeding. He has assumed the position of the angel when Joshua was leading the people. And now God is in front of the church. He was only behind the church following them when they were in familiar waters. Look at this, verse number 26, Acts chapter 8. And the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go towards the south under the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia. He would have never known that guy was there. This is the first time anything like this ever happens in the book of Acts. And it's happening not with an apostle. It's happening with an evangelist. From Samaria forward, Brother Sergeant, God is now directing where there's hunger, where there's thirst, where there's desire. And the apostles never made the journey. Look at verse number 39. And when they were come out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. Totally different dimension of the supernatural now is working with the church. You have to want this. Rick Mayo wants this more than I want anything in this world. There is nothing tangible that I want more than what I am revealing to you tonight. But I cannot, I am working myself, I am frazzling myself, running around this altar praying with people. What would happen if every single person here that calls himself apostolic was walking in the power and walking in the demonstration of an almighty God? And they were willing, they were willing instead of being religious, now you could be led of the spirit. You could be swept up in the spirit and bring a revival all over this world. Clap your hands and give God. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is not pie in the sky. This is of the Holy Ghost. Clap your hands and give God the praise. 
You got to come away from your fearfulness. You got to be delivered of insecurities. You got to be delivered of that. It's not valid. It doesn't work. It's demonic. God has not given us a spirit of fear. We're conditioned. The American dream in the last several generations of Pentecostalism, and I thank God for it. We were pastoring in clapboard buildings on the other side of the tracks, but now we're in some of the greatest. Did you know that? I don't even know if I should tell you this. There's a real estate agent that is trying to persuade the mayor of Liberty Lake that this city, this building you're in should be the new city hall. And after they give us $5 million, we'll go buy an 80,000-square-foot building and pack that one out. Oh, listen, I'm way out there. Somebody help me right now. If you just want to be denominational and you just want a little light on you and you want just a little bit of deal, you just stay back there. But I'm looking for a Philip. I'm looking for an Ananias. I'm looking for a Cornelius. I'm looking for a eunuch. I'm looking for somebody. Because God's in the people business. He's not in the me business. God is not in the me business. You may be seated. Pastor, we're just conditioned to sit here. We're, you know, we just can't be used. And we're not, you know, our dreams are relevant to all the things that have been put in. I blow that out in Jesus' name. You can be whatever God says you can be. And I'll believe it with you. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Square your shoulders. Get some boldness. Walk in the spirit. Live for God. And let God put something in you that's from another world. It's not an apostle that was swept up of the Spirit. It was an evangelist that went to a guy of a different color. And to my knowledge, there's no Ethiopians that are white. There probably is now. It's the 21st century. No, I'm, I'm not trying to be, I'm just, I'm just trying to be real. He's now preaching to a black man. That was a eunuch. He had a different orientation. Look at all the norms. God's blowing out. God is trying. Pastor, we can't not, we can't go to that place, man. That's where all the AIDS patients are. Get in there and tell them about the power of an almighty God. Do you know what that would do to this world? To watch the living God begin to repair bodies and deliver people and deliver them from their sexual addictions. My God, God, you need to get out where I'm at. I'm already way out here believing this stuff. I believe God saves you to do something. I believe God saves them. You get in alignment with God, God will pay every bill. God will meet every financial need. You get back in alignment with God instead of drawing a line and saying it's mine. You need to get out there and say, God, it's yours. It was yours in the beginning. It's all yours now. America has taught the church to be selfish. It's mine. There's nothing that's yours. shoes you're wearing will be on sale at Goodwill in about 20 years. These fancy, fancy shoes I'm wearing, 
The reason why I buy fancy shoes, they last longer. I sweat a lot. You can tell. I don't, you, I don't need to go through your hands of sweat to get through all these other things. My Lord, I came here to worship God too. I get a little upset when Pentecost sits on a platform like a bloated toad and expect the church to do all the running and all the jumping. I came to worship the same God and lift up the same name and praise him until I'm hoarse. God's in the people business. I'm having to go through this. I have never seen so much walking around. I don't know what's going on. But I'm trying to get this into the churches. I cannot do this by myself. You have got to be willing to come out of our comfort zone and say, I'm ready for I'm, I'm ready for this. Because from Acts 8 forward, God is not just showing up with signs and wonders. Starting in Acts 9 and really coming out in Acts 10, God is saying, I'm out front. Where's Cornelius? Before he even talked to the preacher, he's talking to a sinner Roman soldier. What is God trying to tell us? God's got people on your job he's talking to. He's waiting for you to wake up so he can talk to you. I'm like a, I'm like a 360 motor right now. Because if you had... The 150 people that are here tonight, we're all on the same page. This building could not hold, but we have been trained by our flesh and by our world that the only thing that really separates us is our doctrine. God is wanting this church to be a pace setter. And we already are in so many respects. But there is a dimension of exalted living that you have never tasted in your wildest dreams. Where every single day is an adventure with God and it's intoxicating. You have to get your flesh out of the way. When you get your flesh out of the way, the devil will give you no problem. The devil uses our flesh against us. Acts chapter 9, don't turn there because I'm racing the clock right now. Acts chapter 9, it's in full bloom. The change to the apostolic church has taken place because it's now God is already looking to the uttermost parts of the world. He's no longer looking at Jerusalem. He's no longer looking at Judea. He's no longer looking at Samaria. He went through like a blaze of glory. He is now in uncharted waters with people that his apostles have never met, have never talked to, have never rubbed shoulders with. Acts chapter 9. There's a guy by the name of Saul that's breathing out slaughtering against the church. He's the number one enemy of the church. He's on his way to Damascus to get signed paper to bring harm to the church. And he sees a light. He's thrown off of his horse. He hears a voice but sees no man. Hang on. I'm proving to you scripturally 
that God has changed gears and the apostles were not on board. So God talks to Saul. Who is it, Lord? I am Jesus. He could have said, I'm the Father. He could have said, I'm the Holy Ghost. He said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. While he's talking to the enemy of the church, an angel walks in where Ananias is, the religious guy, the guy that's supposed to have truth. Ananias, I got a job for you. Okay. Hope you're not going to ask me to give anything or really do something. I need you to get ready to go talk to Saul. Saul! Todd, you made a mistake. You're not going to save people with AIDS. You're not going to save bad guys. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. God's already out here waiting on you and I. We, we got our excuses. Ananias is arguing with God. It's time for us to make a change. And this thing will blow up. I'm not asking you to give money. I'm not asking you to give cars. That was already in Acts chapter 5. 4 and 5. We're not going to do that. I'm just asking you to get in alignment. You see, a lot of people think of God metaphysically, Brother Anderson, like a pitcher of water. You have a glass. You have a pitcher of water. You take the pitcher of water. You pour the water into the glass. And they think, okay, that's like God. God has filled the sun. That's not like God at all. Because God, you cannot quantify God in a finite illustration. God is not finite. He's infinite. You can't use a pitcher of water to describe God because God was already in the glass and God was in the pitcher. When you are in perfect alignment, you're not getting God to do something, something that's already there, just materialize. Oh, somebody, come on, help me. I don't want to go back to being religious. You're going to have to adjust your thinking if you're going to be an end-time apostolic that's going to change this world. When you are in alignment with God, you are creating a portal that the invisible now can move through you and become physical. What God told you in a closet of prayer, when you walk out and you're in alignment, boom, it happens. You go, that was insane. What happened was you were in alignment. You brought the secret into the public. You brought the private into, oh, somebody help me out tonight. <laughs> Revival's already here. We just need to get it to alignment. So we can hear an angel, hear the spirit, follow God's leading, look sensitive to God. Clap your hands and give God the praise. What happened the first three or four years that my wife and I were here is we had to overcome the negativity that our predecessors faced that drove them out, or they capitulated and traded 
spirituality and spiritual revival for political position. And when you take a political position, you will, that is a great vehicle for ambition, but it's a horrible vehicle to do the will of God. It's a great vehicle to find fulfillment. When you're in alignment with God, the spiritual shows up in the natural. And all it takes to be in alignment is to have your flesh in subjection and a willingness. See, God's not into ability. God's into availability. There's a lot of people that say, you know, God, I'll, I'll let you use my talent, but I'm out of here soon. Service is over. Dude, you're unavailable. If you're available, God will give you what you don't have. God will furnish you with ability. That's what the giftings and grace is all about. Grace, one operation of grace is the endowment. It's an endowment by God to do what you naturally could not do on your own. God gets no glory when you come in here and you do all the stuff because you've got abilities and you're good with people and, and you've already got these natural tendencies. That doesn't give the spirit world any glory. But when he brings a guy out that's a rocker that's on dope or you sitting there tonight and you go through the refinement and you go through the process and you get on location, all the glory goes to God. All the power is from God. All the results are from God. That's apostolic. Clap your hands and give God the praise. God's, while God's talking to Saul, he's blind. Oh, man. I just talked to Jesus for the first time. Now we can talk. Give me a hand. He over here waiting in this house. Hold on. I got to convince my preacher. God went through more effort to get Ananias on board. The people that should have known the promises, Elder Clark. The people that should have known the book. God spent more time working on Ananias and convincing him that this man is a chosen vessel that will take this thing to the Gentiles because I couldn't get anybody else to go. Because of a prejudice. I was down south preaching a big camp meeting a couple weeks ago. Woo! They gave me the microphone. First thing I said is, I said, well, somebody told me the south is going to rise again. I was in as deep a south as you can get, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where they tell you what you're going to eat after church, and you're saying, I don't know, I better look that up first. <laughs> Something, oufé, oufouté, or I just, just listen, just take me to Denny's, Shoney's, anything. First thing I said when they gave this West Coaster, the microphone, I said, somebody said the South is going to rise again. Not if you've not gone down in the name of Jesus Christ and filled with the Holy Ghost. And the South will rise. The North will rise. The East will rise. The West will rise. <laughs> if 
This is for everybody. Brother Saul started out by calling him brother. He got a good, he got it good from God. He baptized him in Jesus' name. He was filled with the Holy Ghost, and the scales fell from his eyes. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Acts chapter 10. God's in the uttermost parts of the world talking to a Roman soldier that's over 100 guys that might have been consenting under Jesus' death. But he learned somewhere that there's a God. And in his prayers and devotion, an angel shows up, a man in bright clothing. And he said, what is it, Lord? And he said, thy prayers and thy memorial. Ladies and gentlemen, part of this end time revival is going to be coming from all the denominational churches. Do not hit them over the head with your Bible. Have a Bible that's open and say, listen, I was raised United Methodist. I was told that I needed to be baptized in the name of the Trinity. Nothing ever happened. I had no power. I had no relationship. But when I went down in Jesus' name, according to Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, Romans chapter 6, Colossians chapter 2, on and on we go. I received power. I received power. I received power. God is in the people business. Well, Pastor, I'm working with this person. Just keep working. But that's not the same thing of what I'm talking about. I'm ta how many people in a metroplex of 700,000 people, how many people could God be talking to? But I just showed you two. Well, I didn't finish with number two. He's got Cornelius on board. Cornelius is done with the prayer meeting. All right, I need a couple guys right here. All right, uh, listen. At ease, this is what I want you to do. There's a city of Joppa right over here. Uh, there's a guy there, a tanner. I want you to go knock on the door. There is Pete, Peter. He's going to tell us what we need to do to get more from God. I can't hear it from an angel. Angels can only look into this because all they remember was Lucifer. This thing is restricted to human beings. And I, and I need you to knock on that door. Peter's there. Peter's going to come back here, and Peter's going to tell you, tell us more about the truth. You got that? Okay, go. The minute they take off, God finds Peter. Are you getting it? God's talking to sinners before he's talking to his people. The guy with the key. He has to convince his people after he's already got people that want to come to church. It's no longer God following the signs. God's so far out in front of us, he's waiting on us. We're not waiting on God for revival. You might have heard that all your life. And I hate to upset the apple cart, but I got news for you. I just gave you two preeminent examples that changed the world 
Because after Cornelius and his crew were speaking another tongue, when Peter opened up his mouth and began to preach, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they began to speak in other tongues. Peter rehearsed that in front of the council of the Jews and said, I don't know what to tell you guys, but God is no respecter of person. God is in the people business. Stand to your feet and clap your hands. Come on, somebody. I want to I be sensitive to the voices. I want to be sensitive like Philip. I want to be sensitive. 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 You know, I get these messages in, in my office, and I get so excited that smoke starts coming out of my ears. And I'm thinking, man, the church is going to love this. And I believe the church does love this. Wherever you were spiritually raised, wherever God is inviting us to make another adjustment that will turn this end time world up around. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. There's people on your job. They're sick of alcohol. They're sick of the one-night stands. They're sick of internet pornography. It's galling their soul. And God is saying, if I could just wake my man up, if I could just wake that saint up, if I could just get them in tune. Let's lift our hands and pray. Come on, somebody obey the Lord right now. There's people all over this city by the thousands. Come on, let's praise him. I want to get on the same frequency as the Holy Ghost. I want to be on the same frequency with God. Let me leave you with this one. Hold on one second. I'll leave you with this. I, I could keep going. Because now that we have this template, as the Holy Ghost is moving into the other most parts of the world, it, it's, it's over and over again. It's, it's over and over again. Paul is just about ready, Brother Jake Reed, to give up on Corinth. The fornicators or homosexuals or adulterers or idolaters people I can't identify with. In the night, he gets a vision. The supernatural from Acts 8 is don't leave. Keep preaching. I have much people in this. How did God know that he had much people there? He was in every home. He was in every bar. 
He was in every corner of that city. I rest my case. Let's lift our hands and pray. This altar is open. I'm ready to make that adjustment to be processed beyond what I think, beyond what I've seen, beyond my capabilities, beyond my inabilities. It's the invitation into the supernatural. You'll never be the same if God leads you that way. You'll never, ever, ever be able to go back to the way it was. Come on, this altar's open. Please, before you leave, consider this and pray tonight.